Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. No one cares about what you want. They only care about themselves. That's a quote from this week's guest, Art Sobchak. When we're going to talk on this episode about why you've got to stop cold calling and why you need to start smart calling. This episode is brought to you by VanillaSoft.com, sales engagement platform like no other. VanillaSoft is a platform that helps you engage your leads like a CRM just simply can't do. CRM are great, but to engage with your leads effectively, to turn a marketing qualified lead into a sales qualified lead and put more opportunities into your pipeline, you need to get yourself a sales engagement platform. So do yourself a favor, head over to vanillasoft.com, sign up for a free trial and see why so many salespeople are closing more deals as a result of using Vanilla Soft. So before we get into today's show, guys, I just want to say thanks again for subscribing and for listening to this podcast. I do this to help you be the very best you can be. Please continue to like, rate and share wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to send me a message on LinkedIn. I absolutely love receiving those messages of gratitude and thanks. So please keep it up. Smart calling versus cold calling, what the hell is the difference? Well, we're lucky this week we get to talk to somebody who's been doing this for a while and he's released his third edition of Smart Calling book. And we're going to talk about the tactic of smart calling and what is it all about and how you can maybe change the way in which you dial to get better outcomes and create more net new opportunities in your pipeline. But before we get into that and go in and talk to Art, who it is a great episode, you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it because there are some pretty cool tactics. I just want to rewind a little bit, okay? Because when we sell, there are things that we can do that are quite tactical. With a phone, we send an email, a social post, etc. But all of that is irrelevant, right? We've got to really think about this. It's, it's all irrelevant, if we aren't clear on the role that we play in the buying process, if we aren't clear about how we help people achieve a better outcome. Now, for all of you, you've heard me talk about this time and time again. People don't buy what we've got to offer. They buy the outcome we help them achieve. They buy the impact. They buy the future state, right? And the things that we do, the emails, the social posts, the phone calls, you could stand on outside and spruik if your customers will engage with you, right? Or your prospects, but they are clearly just tactics. And that's what I want to start you to think about now because you're moving in. It's the final quarter of the year. It's been a pretty hard year for many, but those tactics, yes, they're going to give you some short-term outcomes, but I really want you to start to think about what impact are we truly having on our customers and our prospects? Because that is the stuff that we need to be thinking about more and more, especially as we head into the last quarter and 2021. And you're probably thinking, what are you talking about? Like, what is the impact? We think about that all the time. But if we think about that stuff more and more and we put the buyer at the center of everything we do and we really consider the impact that we can have on the buyers, then these tactics that we deploy is going to give you much greater level of you know, penetration. You're going to get much more engagement from your prospects because the message is going to be so clear that they want to talk to you. And so connecting that to this week's episode, it's pretty cool because 
Art will talk about some of those tactics that you can use and he'll talk about what you can do to personalize that message even further and move away from the dreaded cold call, even though it is a cold call, right? Because it's unsolicited. But that's the stuff that, you know, I'll be trying to, I'll be trying to hammer home over the next couple of months is really get us thinking about the impact and the future state that we help our prospects achieve. Because ultimately, that is our job. We're there to help, serve, and make our customers and prospects' lives better. So pumped to get to talk to Art today and talk a bit about smart calling so that we can help you be the very best sales professional you can be. Welcome to the show, Art. Luigi, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, pretty pumped, man. Um, I've got my T-shirt. Um, for our listeners who can't see, I'm wearing my Smart Calling T-shirt and I've got a Smart Calling book, so I feel like I'm part of the cool club now. All right, fantastic. You are one of the cool kids. <laughs> I was seeing on social, I was seeing all the, you know, the likes of uh, Jeff Bajork and Larry and um, I think even Jeb Blunt was um, posting your, your books and I, I felt a bit, you know, I thought, man, how come everybody else is getting these cool T-shirts? So I appreciate you sending it out to me. Yeah, I got a lot of checks going out to these guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I'm really excited to talk to you today about sort of some of the smart calling techniques and the tactics that can help sellers today sort of be the best they can be when it comes to conducting cold outreach. Um, but before we get into that, we'd love to learn a bit about how you started in the world of sales. Well, I believe that every single person is a born salesperson because if you think about it, kids are the greatest salespeople in the world, aren't mm. they? And I think then many people just decide not to make it a career. But actually, my first paid sales job, I tell a story quite often, was I was on the phone when I was 13 years old selling tickets to the policeman's fundraiser circus. And my voice had changed at the time. And apparently, yep. there were no child labor laws. Or maybe I lied <laughs> about my age. I can't remember. And in retrospect, I think it was a scam because I'm not even sure if there was a circus. But we were sitting in a boiler shop type of uh, atmosphere calling from pages out of a phone book. Our younger listeners might need to Google that one. <laughs> and we were just smiling and dialing and, and selling these tickets and using the old sympathy card to, to uh, get people to actually send money. Yeah. And has, has much changed since those days of opening up a, a yellow pages or a white pages or a phone book? Absolutely. That was that was the definition of a cold call. Yep. And today there's no reason to ever place a, a cold call, which I define as somebody calling someone they don't know who doesn't know them and everybody's getting the same pitch and it's just the numbers mm. game. And in many cases, what they're calling about isn't relevant for the listener. And there's just so much wrong with that. Yeah. It's really interesting, you know, because the debate um, of cold calling, you know, is cold calling dead? social, inbound, digital, it's constantly coming about, right? I think I've spoken on my show, I don't know how many times. I've had both the social selling experts and then you know, also cold outreach experts talk about why one's better than the other, right? Um, but I think it's interesting because you just hit a really important point. Um, the reality is, I mean, when I first started dialing, I was you know, 17, 18 years old in a, in a, in a contact center. Um, we had no information about the buyer. We were literally calling people at their homes we didn't even have their first name. We had their first initial and their surname. Mm -hmm. um, right. And it was, you know, can I speak to the person in charge of X <laughs> or the person paying this particular bill, right? Um, I think, you know, fast forward for me, it's just over almost 20 years. Um, the reality is we're calling people. We know a lot about them. We can check their profile. We can see what their work history is. So, you know, I think I like what you said that 
it's not really a cold call because we have a lot of information about them and we can customize the narrative to make that conversation quite compelling. So talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You can get into semantics with people on LinkedIn. And I actually try to avoid some of these conversations because people will sit there and argue about what what a cold call is. And they'll say, even if you do research on someone, but they don't know you, it's still a cold call. Okay, call it what you want. (laughs) But to me, if I know something about someone, I know something about them personally, professionally, I know what's going on in their world. I saw a blog post that they had uh, just posted. I had seen maybe some comments they put up on LinkedIn. And then maybe I'd done some social engineering, which is talking to somebody in their department. So I have some real-time research Mm. because now I know about a very real problem that they're working on. Now I can customize and tailor and personalize a message that is all about you and what is going on in your world right now. And I can hint at what we might be able to possibly do to affect that and and make their life better. So my goal with that is to let you know that I'm not a typical salesperson. And again, I know something about you. This message is all about you. I'm not here to pitch what I have, but to see if there might be the basis for further conversation. And to me, that's what a smart call is all about. So yeah, I believe cold is dead, but definitely not the calling. Yeah. It's interesting, right? I like what you just said. You know, you spoke about the fact that um, the traditional, the the salesperson. I'm not. I'm not a salesperson, right? So, do you mind going back a step? Because I think there is, in my opinion, uh, a difference between salesperson and a sales professional. So, can you just go back a step and sort of say um, why you why you mentioned that? Yeah, again, we can get into semantics here. First of all, number one, I believe sales is the greatest profession in the world, and we should all be proud of what we do as sales professionals. But there most definitely is a difference between a sales professional and a sales hobbyist or dabbler. Just like there's a difference between a sports professional and the person who plays a pickup game in their backyard on, you know, on the weekends or whenever. And the professional is somebody who works at their craft. They fine tune it. They, they are constantly gathering new information, new knowledge, Mm -hmm. so they can better themselves. They can fine tune their skills. They're constantly practicing as opposed to the person who just puts in their time and just going through the motion and they're they're just mailing it in. Yeah. So yeah, most definitely. And and I know in your business and like in mine, we've seen both. And yep. in almost every organization, there are both right now. Yeah. And I think you know in my in, in my profession, and I'm, I've I've been I've done both. I've done smart calling, and I've I've also done some pretty bad calls, right? So I think that's what's enabled me to be the type of sales professional I am today. It's I've learned through experience um, and that research. I have too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I realized at an early age, this, this is kind of dumb <laughs> to be placing these type of calls. And if it's not getting you the result that you're looking for, what professionals do is we figure out a way, yeah. what can we do to change to get a better result? Mm. Because you've got some things, some really good tactics in your book and, and we'll put show notes at the end for, for people to where they can buy the book and this is some really handy tips and tricks and tactics to help people conduct smarter calls. But I want to ask you a question. Um, When it comes to calling, let's start with what should people not do? Well, what people should not do is simply follow the numbers game mentality, which is I need to just place more calls. And part of that has to start with management as well. 
but it's not totally up to management because I still believe that whatever situation anybody is in right now, they control for the most part. Granted, with the pandemic, when we're recording this, some people have been really thrown a, a curveball and they're in, in bad situations. But still, life is full of choices. I mean, we can go find new opportunities. We, we, we can change things. So what, what can people do? Number one, have the mindset of, I'm not just placing cold calls, if you are prospecting, if that's part mm-hmm. of your job. Okay, that's, that's primarily what we're talking about here. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to place a cold call. Matter of fact, I have this fear I have this horrible fear that I would call somebody up and not be relevant to what's going on in their world. And and that's what part of the thing that drives me all the time every time I pick up the phone is that I want to make sure that I'm talking about what's going to be relevant and interesting to them so I can create some curiosity and they don't perceive me as the stereotypical salesperson, mm-hmm. not the, you know, like I said, we're professional salespeople, but let's face it. For a lot of people out there, their view of salespeople is still the you know the yep. stereotype, the fast talking person who's just trying to jam something down their throat. Okay, so n- number one is the mindset. So don't have the mindset of the the smile and dial, throw it up against the wall. Also, I'll get a little bit tactical here. And in the book, I've got I think twenty nine mistakes that people should not make in the first ten seconds of a phone call. And many of these are actually perpetuated and taught and used by people out there. I mean, there, I, I was just, just going through LinkedIn the other day again, and I, I was pulling my hair out, what, what I have left, and uh, because people were suggesting all these goofy things that they, they said they say at the beginning of a call, and I can't imagine anybody has any success with it. And it was actually troubling to me because I was hearing things like they, they would start out, the very, they wouldn't even introduce themselves to their company, but they would start out with, I want to let you know that this is a cold call and I am a salesperson, or this is a, uh, or I am a salesperson, this is a sales call, or I know you're busy, I won't take too much of your time, or I won't waste your time. And I'm thinking in all those situations, what is the salesperson doing? They are embarrassed and they're apologizing for what they're mm-hmm. doing. And if we are a professional salesperson. We need to believe with all of our heart that we have something that is going to make somebody's life better and make their organization better. It's going to cause a change that they want. And if you don't believe that, you shouldn't be placing a call. And if you have to start out a call with an apology, to me, that is ridiculous. Yeah. And professionals, I mean, how are they going to view you? They're going to view you like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you are bothering me. What do you have? As opposed to following the process where we introduce ourselves, we make a connection, a connection being, I know something about you. I understand this is going on in your world, or I know this is one of your initiatives. And then what I do is I'll give my specialty and say, what I do is I specialize in working with, and then I could either give their title or their type of company or their situation. I I specialize in working with, um, with sales teams that have new business quotas who are now doing cold outreach but aren't getting the type of results that they're looking for, for a variety of different reasons. And what we do is help them implement a proven process that in many cases increases their response anywhere from 10 to in some cases as high as 80%. I simply like to ask you a few questions to see if we should have a further conversation. Yeah, so you do that structure, you pick the prospect's interest, you make it about them first, and then you share with them exactly what you do to help people like them and then try to get him to, to, into a point of conversation. Yep, that was a great analysis, and yeah. you, you just broke it down, and I just actually went through the smart calling process. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, 
And it's it's interesting, you're right, because I often um, I often see this myself, right? When we when we make a call, and I really love what you said that the belief, like you've got to believe in what you're doing. You've got to believe that you're helping somebody achieve something better. And if you have that belief, then you're compelled to talk to people if you know you can help them. That's right. And think about this. And, and this actually goes towards people's fear of picking up the phone. And that's probably the number one thing that causes people to, to not reach their numbers. That they, They've got this fear of rejection, right? Well, think about this. If you have a fear of rejection, that means that what you're doing is you're attaching yourself too much to the outcome. And what you're not doing then is making what you have available to more people. So you're actually doing a disservice to people. Because again, if you truly believe that you have value, if you're not, if you're not screaming that from the mountain, what, what's going on? We're yeah. letting our own little fear of what somebody might think about us, who we don't know, by the way, stop us from sharing that message. And it could potentially change somebody's life or somebody's business. Yeah, that's pretty powerful, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, think about the power we have as salespeople. And this, this is how I'm ending all my podcasts. It's like the, the world needs you right now. The world needs professional salespeople to lead. Yeah. Mate, I'm just getting lost in that. You know, I'm really thinking about that right now, Art, because you're right. We've got to be at the top of the rooftops shouting if we can help people. We've got the opportunity. We've got an opportunity to help someone. And and if we can go back a moment as well. So if, you, if you're sitting here, you're sitting, um, listening to this podcast and you might have been sitting on your hands going, you know, I have been fearing rejection. I haven't been making as, as many cold calls or, or cold outreach smart calls as I should be. And uh, um, my pipeline's a little bit dry. I'm a little bit worried about the future. Um, but I have that fear of, fear of rejection and I, I have a bit of core reluctance. What's, what's a strategy that people can do to move out, move away from that, that fear of, you know, that core reluctance stage? Well, actually, this is multi-layered. So there's several things we could do. We could do an entire show on this. One might be, or should be, re-examine your values. Because yeah. think about this. Why, if you're a professional salesperson, why are you doing what you do? I would assume it's because hopefully you want to help people, but also, and there's nothing wrong with this, there's the desire to provide for yourself, your family, and ultimately you get to the point mm. where you can provide for others, maybe philanthropically, right? And we got all these things that sales helps us do. And if we're letting our own little selfish fear of what somebody might think about us prevent us from doing our job to our fullest capability, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? Yeah. So I would suggest people really, number one, analyze what do you really value here? What's most important to you? And then many people realize that it is kind of crazy to think that why would, why would I fear getting a no or at least an adverse response from somebody that, that I don't yet know. Now, on a more tactical level, let's really look at what this thing called rejection really is. And, and to me, I mean, it, it's ridiculous when people say you need to love rejection because I think, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm no Dr. Phil here, but I would think that it's impossible to love rejection. Yeah. <laughs> because if I love something, I want more of it. So that, that's a fallacy. <laughs> You yeah. don't need to love it. So what we need to do, though, is analyze 
what is really rejection? So in workshops, I always ask people, okay, who here has been rejected before? And people are falling over themselves, raising their arms. Okay, and I'll say, how do you know? And then here are the answers. Well, I get a no, or I get hung up on. So it's their tone, right? Their dial tone. Or they'll tell me not to call anymore. Or, you know, we're all good. Any of those things. I'll say, great. All those things are going to happen to us if we're placing phone calls. Now, those are things that happen to us, right? Yep. Those are all things that happen to us. They are simply things. They are simply experiences. Now, is rejection what happens to you or the story you tell yourself about what happens to you? And it's always the story. And if you have the opportunity to tell yourself a story, why would you tell yourself a negative one? Eleanor Roosevelt said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I've modified that to nobody can reject you without your consent. So therefore, let's change our definition of what's happening on our calls. Because I could take two people, they just got a no on a prospecting call. Maybe they, they did everything right, but still got a no. One person just kind of sulks and they say, oh God, I got rejected again. Uh, 20 mm. more times and then I can't wait to do it again tomorrow, right? <laughs> said no one. <laughs> the other person says, hey, you know what? I got to know, but at least I found out when their contract expired or at yep. least I kept the door open for the future or at least I simply asked this one question. Now notice, those are all things that we control because mm. those are things that we can say. We can attempt those things. So at the end of the call, I can say, I got to know, but at least I tried this, or at least I accomplished this. And then at the end of the day, you could say, well, I accomplished four of my primary objectives, and then I accomplished my secondary, and that's what I call the, the minor things. Mm. I accomplished my secondary the rest of the time. Now, Who's going to be in a much better mood at the end of the day and feel better about themselves? I mean, if people tell themselves they're rejected, they may as well tell themselves that they're a horrible person. And if you do that enough times, you're going to start believing it. Yeah. Look, I've, I've taken notes because I loved what you've just described. I think it's the mindset. It's Again, it's a back to the mindset. And this is just not for, for, for smart calling or phone calling. It's if I put a post on social and nobody engages with it. If I send an email to somebody and nobody responds, like it's, you could, it's the story you tell yourself across multiple channels. If I do a Facebook, people that, you know, all the um, digital experts that are saying you should be getting digital inbound leads, there's a lot of ads that don't work or the leads that get generated, you call them and they don't actually pick up the phone right? So you're absolutely right. It's the story we tell ourselves. And why should we come up with an opinion of ourselves based on somebody hanging up? Right? Yeah. I mean, we, why wouldn't you value yourself more than that than yeah. to tell yourself that negative story? I mean, one, one person that I follow just for, for mindset and transfer, transformation, his name is Jim Fortin. And he, he says that nothing has meaning until I give it meaning. And that is true for anything that we do on yeah. the phone and it's true for anything in life. I mean, if there's a dog that crosses the street in front of your house, what does that mean? It, it means what I say it means. Yeah. That's <laughs> and awesome. that's it. If I get a no, what does that mean? It means exactly what I tell myself. Yeah. So this is awesome. So when we break this all down, if we look at the very first strategy that one must take to improve the conversion rates, to improve the quality of the phone call, to improve every aspect of their pipeline. The very first thing they've got to focus on is their mindset, is go back a step, as Jim Rohn said, and 
you know, look at the philosophy, look at what they're putting into their brain, look at their values and how they're looking at things and get that mindset right and know that the outcome of the call, the outcome of any outreach attempt doesn't determine the type of person they are. So we've got the mindset right. So great. So now I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, Art. I've, I've, I've listened to this podcast. I'm feeling great. I've got my mindset and I'm really positive. I know that I'm going to make a call. Then the next step of the process is we obviously research the buyer. We, we have a reason to call. And then can you run me through that, that script again, just so we can break that down one more time? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing on a macro level that I suggest all salespeople do is that you really need to identify your audience and your yep. different levels of buyer. If you're business to business, particularly if you're enterprise level, you might be talking to a lot of different levels and, uh, and at, even at different levels, different people are going to have different motivators. So we really need to dig deep and define what are the possible motivators? Again, possible motivators, because we never know for sure until mm -hmm. we speak to an individual, right? So we need to have all this background. So there's a lot of pre-work that needs to take place. I mean, as opposed to, again, the smile and dial, or what's that one script that's going to get me through? It's like, <laughs> no, back up, wait a minute here. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I'll go to my golf coach. What? Yeah, I, you know, I just want to go right to hitting 350-yard drives. <laughs> I just want to go, you know, just let's just start right yeah. there. As opposed to the process. So anyway, that's part of the process. And then also part of the process is really identifying, you know, once I know my buyers, identifying what are the results of what I have that would be attractive to these different levels of buyers and why would it be of interest to them? So everything needs to start with all that. So it needs to start with the buyer. Then it needs to mm. continue on with what are my results? And again, nobody buys a thing. One of my favorite sayings is don't talk about your thing because it's going to get you in trouble. All right. Yeah. We need to talk about the result. And so we've got all that. So now let's, let's get down to the micro level. The micro level will be placing the call. So here's the call process. And, then, and let me go back, doing the research, and yeah. I mentioned one thing I need to emphasize a little bit more because it's probably the most underutilized tool out there for, for salespeople, and it's probably one of the easiest things to do, and it's, it's called social engineering. Social engineering is simply talking to someone else other than the decision maker for the sole purpose of getting sales intelligence. Yes. And we're never misrepresenting ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and actually I have a process for that. So I'm big on a lot of processes. Process for that is, so for example, in, in our business, uh, of course, we'll, we're talking to sales leaders and uh, who's going to help us get mm. some great information prior to speaking to a sales leader. I know salespeople. Yep. So I like to call into sales departments because God knows they like to talk and my process is identify myself and company. Hey, Art Subcheck here with Business by Phone. And then what I'll do is I'll add something else. I say, I'm not a prospect for you, but what I have is probably going to benefit you. I'm going to be speaking with your VP of Sales, Pat Smith, and I want to make sure I'm prepared when I do. So this is called the justification statement, justifying the reason why I'm going to ask you questions. And it's been proven that if we have a reason why we're asking for any kind of compliance, our compliance goes mm -hmm. up. So then I use the magic H word. I'm hoping you can help me with some information. And notice what I'm not saying here is, could you answer some questions for mm. me? Because it's real easy for somebody to say, well, no, I don't know. Yeah. So instead, I'm going to say, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. Then I go right into the questions. Luigi, I know that uh, from your uh, job postings that I've seen that you guys do quite a bit of prospecting. So now I'm going to ask questions about prospecting. And... 
Again, here's another mistake that salespeople make. They don't ask enough qualitative questions during their their social engineering. They ask the most basic questions like, when is he or she in? What's their email address? As opposed to, tell me about the training you get. Mm. What, what, What kind of quotas do you guys have? What's the morale there? What kind of challenges are you running into? Um, what what worked in the last training you had? What didn't? And it is amazing what people will tell you if yep. you just simply ask them. All right. So that's social engineering. Now I'm armed with all of this information plus the information that I got by going to LinkedIn, going to other places, uh, of course, going to Google, social media, whatever I might be able to find. So I might have a few nuggets here. So now I know quite a bit about the uh, organization, what's going on with them. And in my case, and in, 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 I always get the question, should you send anything in advance of a prospecting call? And I have an entire section in the book where I talk about that. And actually, uh, a colleague of ours, uh, Stu Heineck, I don't know if you know yep. Stu, Stu's written two books on it. Uh, mm-hmm. One's called Get the Meeting, and the other one's How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And he's coined a term for this whole thing called contact marketing, which is sending stuff out in advance in order to get the meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's a natural complement to, to smart calling because if I can send something out in advance, yep. I don't make that the reason for the call. I don't say, hey, I sent you out the you know whatever. Did you get it? No, I may refer to it. So, for example, yep. I'll send out copies of my book. And all I'll do is I'll just inscribe it. Here's to your smart calling. Um, normally, I'll put in a card saying, looking forward to speaking with you. So now it's kind of mysterious, right? Mm. So, um, and, and, and another, another pro tip here, if you, can, if you can make friends with the assistant, send it to yeah. the assistant. So the assistant will actually then give it to the decision maker. And then when you call back in, you get the assistant on the phone. Hey, Mary, um, I'm, I'm calling as I mentioned looking to speak with Pat. All right. So now I know you, you asked for the, the script itself a long time ago and I kind of went off on a tangent. <laughs> it's all right. This is good. This is good. Everybody, <laughs> we're building to it, right? And just to go back, I, I really love the user up. It's, I, I call it, you've got to earn the right to have that conversation. You've got to earn the right. And that research enables us to have the opportunity to have that conversation. And I think that's not done enough. Like not enough sales professionals are spending the time in that research phase and using the the tools in front of them not just using these um linkedin or i mean we've got google of we've got we can just find out so much about our companies you know our prospects but it's also i love that social engineering it's going into the business and learning from people that are in the business and having creating real life getting real and not not you're right. It's not about phone number, email. It's about understanding what is the desired state the business is trying to get to and what's possibly preventing them. Because you're right, people don't buy what we offer. They buy the outcome we help them achieve. Um, so yeah. I love this. So we've done the research. We've got the mindset. We've done the research. We're ready to talk. Now we're making the call. Yeah. So what we're going to do in advance, of course, because we want to prepare what we're going to say in advance yep. and we're going to have it scripted not scripted like I'm reading from a boiler room script, scripted <laughs> as in uh, Tom Cruise reciting the words <laughs> to the script in his movie, right? Nobody would ever know that it was prepared in advance. Yep. And, and it's funny because I go off on another tangent here just on scripts, but I, sometimes people will say, and I, and I just have to shake my head, they'll say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound robotic. I just like to, to wing it. <laughs> and, and I'll say, oh, so you really, you don't want to sound like a moron, right? <laughs> so if you just say the first thing that comes to mind, 
what normally might happen. You're going to sound like a moron. <laughs> if I have the opportunity to prepare what I'm going to yep. say in advance, why in the world wouldn't I? Because if you just say the first thing that comes to mind, you're turning in your rough draft. Yep. And your rough draft is never as good as something that follows a process and then it's edited and fine-tuned so that we can distill this thing down and then practice it so that it sounds perfect. Okay, mm. so now I'll give you the process. So step number one in the process, identify yourself and your company. I like to use first name and last name and company. Yep. The next step is the connection phase. The connection phase can include anything that you know about them, something you picked up in your social engineering. And I would say the more situational and qualitative you can make this, the better, as opposed to just factual. Yep. One thing we don't want to say here is, I understand you're the person there who purchases your widgets. Okay. I mean, okay, Captain Obvious, thanks for that. <laughs> right? So... You, you might say, like, again, in our case, calling into a VP of sales, hey, Luigi, I understand that you have a, a big new business quota here towards the end of the year. And uh, despite the pandemic, management isn't very sympathetic towards that as far as uh, the number itself. So again, I would make that more conversational. I would have that scripted out. And uh, even prior to that, I might say, hey, our subject here, business by phone. I was the guy that sent you the smart calling book. Pause. Yep. And at that point, there might even be some chit-chat. And if they initiate the chit-chat, hey, more power to us. Because yep. here's really the two things that we're trying to accomplish with our opening. And if I don't even have to go through my opening to accomplish it, all the better. Number one, put them in a positive, receptive state of mind. Mm. If they were not accept expecting our call and they hear a voice that they don't know, if they mm. see a name on caller ID they don't recognize, what's going on in their mind? So let's think about them and their situation. It's probably going to be Okay, not quite sure what this is. Maybe it's neutral. Maybe it's starting to shift towards negative. So we want to switch that as quickly as possible to positive, receptive, curious. Then the only other thing I want to do is get them talking while they're in that state of mind. Mm. And if I say, hey, our subject here, business by phone, I was the guy that sent you the smart calling book. And now, and I've had this happen. Oh my God, Art, yeah, thank you for the book. I actually had the first edition and it's like, yeah. okay, now what are we doing? Positive frame of yep. mind, I'm in a conversation, but then I'm still gonna get into my purpose for the call and the, the possible value. So after I have the connection, next step is specialty. So specialty, and, and, and let me explain the reason behind this. People want to work with specialists. And, uh, you know, the old phrase is there's riches in the niches. If I know that somebody is a specialist on working on a situation that I'm experiencing, something I want, a problem that I'm going through right now, I'm going to pay more attention to yep. that person than somebody who says, hey, we sell office supplies. All right. So I would say we specialize in working with, and again, this is general language, mm. And actually, I'll give, I'll give a URL at the end of this where people can actually get this. I have this in a template form Fantastic. and some free video training that they can get, which gives them the entire process, exactly what I'm going through right here. So we specialize in working with, so this could be their title. We specialize in working with uh, sales departments who have new business quotas, or I might just say VPs of sales. We specialize in working with family-owned manufacturing companies. Again, whatever it is that what this phrase is doing, it's helping them identify with who I say I work with that we're a specialist in, okay? Yep. Specialize in working with who, and now I'm gonna fill in with the, the problem or the situation or the desire, 
or so, so again, I might say who have new business quotas or whose sales reps are doing prospecting, but not getting the, the results that they're looking for. Okay. So again, something else that they can identify with and I'm hinting at again, either a problem or a desired result. Yep. We specialize in working with, and then I'm going to fill in next with my, I call it a possible value proposition. Some people call it an elevator speech. Some people mm. call it your value prop. I call it possible because we always have to keep in mind that it's never going yep. to be a value to them until they Absolutely. believe it's a value to them. And we, yep. we can hypothesize, that's a big word for me, we can <laughs> hypothesize that this may be a value and based on my research, I can put together something that I think has a pretty good chance of being a value, but it's still a possible value. So what we do is we help them use a proven prospecting process that is conversational, helps them to avoid this thing called rejection, and it helps them get more meetings. And so now I'm going to hit them with a few possible results. Okay. Notice I didn't say what I'm doing. I didn't say I'm, I want to sell you some training. I want yep. to sell you a workshop webinar, whatever, because that's going to create resistance. Nobody yep. wants that. And uh, then you can even pile on more with a results statement. Results statement could be, matter of fact, another company that I worked with similar to yours in your industry is now getting double the number of appointments and conversions they were getting prior to working with us. So now, social mm. proof. Yeah, social proof. And then too. finally, at the very end, this is the phase where we're just going to get them talking. Yep. And notice, and you asked before about mistakes, we should not use this phrase. And I'd like to get 15 minutes on your calendar. I'd like to set up a time to speak again. And it's like, oh my God, don't ask for a decision here. The biggest decision I want them to make is that they're going to stay on the phone with me for another minute. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to end with something like, and what I like to do is just simply ask you a few questions, see if we might have the basis for further conversation. To see if this is something you might want more information on. And I'm not even going to say to see if we could work together, to see if, you know, we might have a mutually yep. uh, beneficial opportunity. It's like, no, here's the reaction I want from my prospect at the end. I want him to say, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, it's Good. soft. There's no major call to action. You haven't really pitched anything. You've made it about no. them. You've done your research. You've shared something about the results, the type of results that – your customers that your your current customers are seeing, and then if that's something that they value, and I like that the possible value proposition, um, yeah. they'll be giving you more time, and that's what I love about Anthony Norino. He talks about the art of closing. It's it's broken up into stages of commitment, and the first commitment we need to get is a commitment of time. And if they give us a bit of time, then we've earned the right to maybe ask a few questions, like you said, a couple of open questions, learn a bit more about them, and then possibly we can process to the next stage. So that's fantastic, Art. I really like the way you've broken that down. Yeah, thanks. It's the uh, first time I ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know, you're, we know you're a master and you know, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. So we, we expect nothing less. But mate, I think it's important for people to understand that um, the actual conversation thread and the process is, is, as you said before, is irrelevant if we haven't got the mindset right. So for any of the listeners, again, just want to reinforce, and, and I know for I'm a big, I'm big believer in mindset. We have Mindset Monday, for, which is a short podcast art, and I'm, I'm, I'm a yep. huge believer. I've got the, um, the iceberg illusion sitting behind me because, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening underneath the water. And uh, the reality is, though, 
when it comes to pick whichever aspect of sales, um, mindset is always key. So again, I really appreciate you sharing your story, sharing that strategy and those tactics because it's going to help more sales professionals be the best they can be. But mate, I could talk about this for hours, but before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, ask every guest a question. In your opinion, is sales an art or a science? It's it's a mixture of both. Yep. It's a mixture of both because it's it's a performance sport. So we we... <laughs> we we sometimes do have to improvise, yeah. right? And with that being said, it's science in that, I mean, I just went through several different processes for planning the call, getting information, doing social engineering, doing the opening statement. Then I have processes for the mm. all the other parts of the yep. call. So that's the science part of it. But ultimately, when we pull it all together, it's still up to us to perform. So that's the artful part of it. Now, again, with that being said, we can get better at the art part of it, no pun intended, yeah. through, through repetition, <laughs> through practice, and getting more knowledge. So it's just not one or the other. Yeah, and I love that. Repetition, right? Space repetition. I think the, the, the path to mastery is just doing the same thing over and over and learning from it each day. Each day. So, And, mate, if you had to go back and do this all again, what's one strategy you would use again in this process? In, in, in this process or, or just me and in my your business, business? In your business, in your career. Like I said, if you had to start today, what's okay. a strategy that you would use immediately to, to get results in sales? What I would probably do, despite the fact that I made this work and having been around a long time, there's a lot to be said for staying with it and longevity. <laughs> if I had to do anything differently, I would have focused on becoming an expert in a very specific niche in an industry. Yeah. I mean, you could say that I niched in the use of the phone, which I've been kind of known as the phone guy over the years, inside sales using the phone, but I would have even gotten more specific. And that's what I tell people today. If you're starting a business, go become the mm -hmm. guy or the woman in yep. that area so that you are indispensable and you become the person that everybody wants to work with but and, and you're not just, and it's just not branding right or putting yourself out there on social media it means putting the work yeah. in to become the expert absolutely i love that you've got to lead with a level of expertise right We've got to be able, that's a key way to differentiate ourselves from our competitors is knowing that we've put the hard work in and the reality is we're not there to serve everybody. Not everybody's our, our customer. Um, so that was fantastic. Uh, now, I really appreciate you giving us the time today. And before we wrap up, where could our listeners find a bit more about you and connect with you? Several things. One is, first of all, before I forget, I promised the uh, URL yes. for the template. So you can find that at phone scripts, plural, phone scripts.com. So you'll be able to download a template. And then I actually did about, I think, a 45 minute video going, yep. walking you through the entire process here and really is the smart calling process. Granted, I still want you to buy the book because it's going <laughs> to give you a lot of background information yep. and you can get the Get the book at its own site, which is smart-calling.com. And the reason I suggest you get it there, I don't sell it there, but I've got tabs for all the uh, retailers out there that do. But there's a second tab. After you get the book, you can go back there and then get immediate access to free training. So I've set up a portal where every single chapter has additional information 
not just information, Fantastic. I mean, valuable resources, scripts and webinars and uh, audios, videos, all kinds of great stuff. And then if you just want a, more information, if you want more, more training, go to my blog, Smart Calling, no dash there, smartcalling.com, and you can contact me there as well. Fantastic art. Well, mate, you know, thank you for the contribution you make to the sales profession and the sales community and for helping sellers all over the world be the best they can be. And thank you for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. It is an honor. And, and thank you for doing what you do as well. Because like I said before, the world needs professional salespeople. The world needs people who are helping professional salespeople be the best they possibly can. And you're providing a great service. It's a great podcast. And I love your, your motivational segments on Monday as well. Thanks. So Thank everybody you. make sure that, that you come back here every week and listen twice a week to Louise. You've got some great stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Art. <laughs> 